Hi everyone, it's Debbie McGee, known as the lovely Debbie McGee. It's my brand new podcast, Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee, in which you will find out whether I'm really lovely or not, or whether it's just a myth. But I hope that you'll join me every week to hear different stories from my life. You know, what motivates me, what's happened to me, who I've met, and how I met my late husband, Paul Daniels. That's in Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Spill the Tea Podcast with Debbie McGee. Hello everyone. Great to have you back with me on Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. I was going to say good afternoon, but actually, of course, you could be listening at any time of the day or night. You're probably falling asleep or in the car or something like that. Anyway, great to have you along. I've got a super guest lined up. It's Janie Godley, stand-up comedian from Scotland, who's won loads of awards, including at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, Very outspoken and very, very funny, but a very interesting life. So stay with us and hear my chat with Janie Godley. Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. You know you want to. I'm getting so excited about talking to my next guest, who um, I've been watching sort of grow and move up and move on and write books, and I don't know where she finds the time to do everything. Um, I wonder if you can guess who it is. It's Janie Godley. So, hi, Janie. Hi, Debbie McGee, spelling <laughs> your tea. How are you? I get, oh, that's a big mug of tea. Fantastic. I can see Janie, everybody. So, Janie, um, my podcast is really just kind of just a little bit of getting to know you. Um, but first of all, I know that you're bringing out a book really shortly. So mm-hmm. should, we, um, should we start with that? Because it's all to do with your wonderful voiceovers. So yeah. where did the idea come to put them in a book? Well, the book is called Frank Get the Door, and it's a wee hardback book, um, and it's all the transcripts of the voiceovers since the Nicola Sturgeon has been doing the lockdown um, uh, briefings. So yeah. I can think of the word briefings there. So I, I have been doing these voiceovers of her doing the briefings, and it kind of caught the nation's imagination. Yeah. And um, so then this book company got in touch with me and they said, how would you feel if we put them all in a book and had some nice illustrations from Christina Connolly, who does your Frank Get the Door images? And I said, yeah. So we went for it and it was it's pretty easy for me to do because it's already written. Um, not like my next book, which is fiction, and I'm 46,000 words deep and still not reaching the deadline. So Frank Get the Door was an easier ride all round. And... People just love the Frank Get the Door merchandise and stuff. And we did um, a, a whole big Frank Get the Door mug, T-shirt and pen, and we donated all the profits to the um, STV Children's Appeal. And we, we made about 20-odd grand. So well, we did that for a charity. And now we sell them. And um, and the, the charity that we do now is the Scottish uh, Carers Trust Scotland. So I have these wee badges that say, put on your emotional life jacket and keep your family afloat. And all the profit from that goes to the Carers Trust. So I've been making stuff and helping charity at the same time. 
Yeah, which is always great, isn't it? And um, I, you're, you can find all of that on Janie's website if you Google her, which is really good, by the way. And I don't want to sort of dwell on your past, but for anybody that doesn't know you, they can find lots about you on the internet. And yeah, yeah, yeah. also, because you've, you've written your autobiography, Handstands in the Dark. And yeah. just sort of quickly going through this childhood that you've you know you've risen above I think is how I'd call it but you know you came from poverty it was really tough and your dad left home and um just briefly just tell us the sort of things you went through and what's kept you going and how you still you make us all laugh and you've always got a smile on your face I think it is quite a hard thing to speak about I mean I was abused as a child and my mum was murdered and my brother had drug addiction and AIDS and I lived through the heroin years in a pub and I mean it does sound very much like Bleak House but I actually had quite a very interesting funny childhood as well you know it it never ended my life in fact it made me want to do more I left school at 16 because I had no shoes to go to school and then I went to Red Car in 1978 and lived there for a year and I just was one of those people that every single time something shitty happened, I found a way for it not to be shitty and try to come through it. Um, and I think that doesn't make me a better person than anybody else who's coping with such difficult background, but it's just my way of coping with it, Debbie. Yeah, and I think what's great is that you have talked about it because people going through a similar thing could see, you know, you had a light at the end of the tunnel that you couldn't see in those days, you mm-hmm. know, and now you've got husband and a daughter and yeah. you've won all these awards, um, mm. you know, the stand-up, uh, you know, in New Zealand, not just in Scotland, not just in Britain. Mm. But you, they, you, they love you in New Zealand, don't they? I love New Zealand. I went there in 2000 in, was it 2000 and 2001? Um, basically, when you, you know, the Edinburgh Festival, a lot of Scots back then, especially back then, were overlooked at the festival. You, I mean, when I did the Edinburgh Fringe in 2000, 2001, 2002, 96, 97, whatever, you didn't even get a review. You were just a Scot in your own country. So they didn't give you any attention whatsoever, you know? Um, you couldn't even get a review. You couldn't get a review around the door because you're just Scottish in Scotland. So I decided, I wonder what it would be like to take my comedy to a country where they don't treat people um, so offhandedly. So I decided to go to the New Zealand Comedy Festival and they were like, wow, you're really good. And I was like, oh, thanks very much. In my country, I'm, I don't even get a review. So, uh, and I won a comedy award there and I love the people there. They were so welcoming. When I really needed yeah. my confidence boosted as a comic, I went to, and I did it again, the, the, the comedy promoter over there at the time, they, they didn't bring women over. So I did that thing that women do. Um, I called them up and said, I can't get brought over by the, the people who book your comedy. Can I just come myself? And they went, well, it's never been done before. So yeah, why not? And I did it. I just did it myself. I just went. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of all the boys who had turned up. They're like, where did you come from? All the English boys that went. I was like, oh, I brought myself and I'm doing fine, thank you. Good for you. And, you know, that's what I love about talking to people in our business. It's mm. never just luck. There's no. always that 
something, people pushing, all of that. Things like that are so special. And of course, you didn't just win things for your stand up there. You won a show concept, which yes. I loved because, you know, when you're working hard at material, that yeah. doesn't, you get awards for yourself, but not necessarily for that brain that thought it all up. Yeah, it was the show concept was I also did, I also got in a signer, a BSL interpreter way back then when nobody was doing that either. And I thought there, there is a, a huge community here of people who have got hearing issues. Mm. So I got a BSL interpreter um, and I did a show that had that in it as well. And I gave everybody a whiskey and we, I don't know anything about whiskey. I don't even drink. And I told the audience that I'm not even a big drinker, even though I owned a pub. Um, and we just really get into it. And it was, you're right, it's not about luck. And then people get put off very easily. So back then when I phoned up the person who books, they're like, no, we don't, you know, we don't mm. do that. And then I went, fine, I'll come myself. And then I'm mm. best friends with that person now. And now he brings me over. So I kind of broke that ceiling in a sense of, well, this isn't not, I, I'm that person who when you say, this isn't normally how it works, I will make that work then that's what I would yeah. do. Fantastic. I mean, I, it, that's, it's wonderful. And also going back to, you know, not being recognised in your own country, and I totally know that. Paul and I won awards in different countries, not necessarily here. But you then later you were up for, and, you know, it was between a couple of you, wasn't it? Scots Woman of the Year, no yeah. less. Yes. Yeah, I have a great joke about that because it was a Polish doctor that won. I was beaten to Scots Family of the Year by a beautiful Polish doctor. She was great. She's lived in Scotland for years, but it was a good joke. Um, and she did great pioneering work in the heart, um, the heart disease department of Glasgow University, and she raised millions of pounds. So she absolutely deserved that award. Yeah. But yeah, I was up for Scots Women of the Year award, and. Uh, yeah, it's weird the awards that I've been up for. And, and none of them, I never ever get nominated for the Comedy Award in Edinburgh, but I got <laughs> everything else I got. But yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying being that, just being different all the time as opposed to just being a stand-up. And I think yeah. as women in comedy as well, when COVID hit, it's a telling sign. A lot of women, and this isn't a, a gripe, but a lot of women got overlooked in comedy. So we always had a side hustle going, you know? So when COVID yeah. hit, I already had a podcast going for 10 years. I already was making voiceover videos. My daughter was already making funny videos for the BBC. So we were studio, you're in our studio. That's a studio backdrop. We were already studio ready. So when yeah. COVID hit, it was nothing to go straight into doing this because we already had a side hustle going for such a long time, because being a woman, we never always got the breaks in comedy, so we always had to make our own breaks. So the minute COVID hit, I wasn't sitting going, well, that's comedy shut down, my life has ended. I had all my side hustles going and it worked. It's fantastic. I've said that word too many times, but it really does uh explain what I think about you because I just love the fact that you just stay yourself and you don't yeah. sit still and wait for things to happen and wait for your agent to make all the phone calls. Um, no, I, it was the same with the National Theatre. They approached me and they said, um, the National Theatre of Scotland, who have never approached me before, and they said, could you do a small piece 
for the National Theatre Online and they fully expected me to write a comedy and Chris, mm. my agent, and I, I discussed it with him and I says, I'm going to write something really dark and he's like, go for it because it shows a different side to me Yeah, and it got five million hits and we did Alone 1, Alone 2 and we're about to make Alone 3 and 4 about a woman who's living with coercive control in her house during lockdown. I took the darkest subject and decided to make that a wee bit funny and very poignant. So I think that during COVID, instead of it being the thing that breaks us, I've used it as the thing to show off my many facets of talent. And also, Janie, but, uh, you know, it's quite a brave thing to do. You left school at 16 to then do all this writing and writing your autobiography uh, and writing sketches. And then, you know, as you were saying, with something, this dark subject, um, did you, is it just something that you just had the confidence to do because it's just up there in your head? Yeah, I always said when I stood behind the bar, for I owned a pub for 15 years in the East End of Glasgow. And when I stood behind the bar, I, I listened. The best thing a comedian can do is shut up and listen. And I listened and listened and listened to people talking, listened to the old man talking about how he went to Korea to fight in the war. I listened to the wee woman who used to be a dancer, but her life fell apart and she just became, her name was Lola. She was a showgirl. Listened to everybody, took in all those stories, took all those facets of life and took in all the experiences of my own life and why are they not worthy of being listened to just because I don't have any O-levels? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that it doesn't matter what your background is. You've got a story to tell and you should tell it. Yeah, great. So going on a lighter note, um, uh, things that I've, little thing that, I've, uh, that I read about you, and that was um, Billy Connolly, <laughs> that you were... Um, one newspaper described you as the lippy love child of Billy Connolly and Joan Rivers. <laughs> That's a wonderful description. I mean, <gasps> when I was in New Zealand in Wellington, Billy Connolly was in the room above us and I didn't mm. like this. And then we found out and he invited me to tea and we spent the whole day together. And then he came to see my show at night. And I've still got a photograph of my daughter and Billy Connolly sitting together, drinking tea, we are postering me above their head while I'm on stage. That's that, I don't need to do anything else. I did it and, and he loved the show and, and we became friends since. So I am very, very blessed in that. He is my absolute hero. I spent the whole day with him. I did a whole show in front of him. And then I went back to the hotel and wet buckets. I was like, oh my God, it's Billy Connolly. <laughs> so do you think that was probably the person that you would have wanted to have done that with before you yeah. started out? Yeah. So that, yeah. that was the one. And have you, you know, along the way, have you met somebody perhaps another person that's famous that surprised you, I, you know, either for whatever reason? Mm. Um, I think most of the people I've met have, yeah, I mean, like the beautiful Nicholas Parsons who passed away. Nicholas became a good friend and he was such a champion of me as well and getting me on just a minute. And I, I don't think I've met any that were, that, that have made me think, oh my God, what a twat. 
the longest <laughs> most people are, 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 have been I mean I, I met you and Paul and you were sweet as sweet as lovely I was I remember telling the lovely Paul about my time in Redcar in Middlesbrough because mm. I think that's where he hailed from at one it point it was yeah yeah and we shared those memories not everybody I've met has been you know I, I'm a Glaswegian woman I can smell an idiot for 50 feet and normally when I, I think people are complete idiots I won't get near them because if they mm. say something I will say something back I won't do that thing where I'll go oh okay I'll be like shut up you big potato idiot idiot shut up I'll let you into a little um, Debbie and Paul secret then is that Paul and I had codes so if we were a you know a showbiz party or a charity yeah. thing and I say if I was talking to somebody who I wasn't finding very interesting or I yeah. thought was, you know, um, I, I would have a code to Paul that he would come and rescue me and vice yeah. versa. But also we had one that if, you know, Paul just walked over, I we had this thing and we came from another friend of ours who was very elderly. And the, if we couldn't think of something nice to say about the person, we'd admire their buttons. Yes. Have yes, you heard a good that necklace, one? a good necklace will get yeah. you of a lot of pro. I've done yeah. that. I think that's a beautiful necklace. Yeah. And then we'll like... talk about the necklace. Yeah, my daughter and I have codes as well. Whenever I'm getting into trouble in a conversation, or she can tell by my face, she mm. comes over and she she can just tell by my face because I'm not very good at hiding. And she'll just go, if somebody's been a complete twat and they're horrible to me or they're being nasty or they're... I don't normally like female comics, but I think Ashley come in and go, Mum, you need to take this phone call. It's about Dad. <laughs> good one. She'll just good hold one. up her phone and I'll go, okay. My husband's <laughs> in dire circumstances. <laughs> well, listen, Janie, it's been fantastic talking to you. And Aww. anyone who hasn't seen Janie, I can't imagine there is, but if you haven't, just have a look around the internet. There's loads of stuff. And, you know, you're so very funny and not frightened of getting your opinions out there. And, you know, we all love it that you're doing so well. So thank you, my darling. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. And, uh, <laughs> I, and I, I always, I grew up as a kid. As you know, I grew up as a young teen watching you guys on telly. So you're a huge part of my entertainment history as well in the best possible sense. Oh, thank you very much. So, everyone, that was Jamie Godley on Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. And uh, she has uh, got this new exciting book out. Um, and it, what is it? Frank, get the door. Frank, get the door. <laughs> yeah, I needed you to say it. You see, it didn't sound the same in my accent. <laughs> <laughs> I will be back with you another time with Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. But for now, goodbye from me and Jenny Godley. Spill the Tea Podcast with Debbie McGee.